you look at the audience and it's all male um, target with a suit or grey or blue or black, <laughs> aged between 30, 35 and 60. And we were, we were like little, I don't know, unicorns there. <laughs> Hi and welcome back to another episode of Startup Stories brought to you by Nerd Entrepreneurs. I'm Dan, your host, and today we are looking at a fashion startup. When Antonia Maivald saw overwhelmed and frustrated shoppers in fashion stores not get the assistance they were looking for, the idea for My Professional emerged. Half a year later, she was joined by her co-founder, Lena Koshek. The team has built a platform that connects stylists, fashion bloggers, and influencers, aka professionals, with frustrated shoppers to offer them expert advice while they are purchasing their clothes. I am really happy to share this episode with you. Enjoy. All right, welcome. Good morning. It's 7.45. Good morning. We all look very fresh. It's probably the earliest it's the morning interview show. Here, it's, yeah. it's the morning show. It's the morning show. <laughs> yeah, thanks for taking the time that early and waking up. We're super happy to have you on the show. It's the, I think it's the third time we have two co-founders. We've had a lot of, a lot of single founders on yeah. the show. And two co-founders is always very special because there's a certain dynamic that, that is generated. Can you maybe tell us a, a little bit who you are, how, what your startup is? Yes, my name is Antonia. Our startup is My Professional, which emerged from the idea that we saw shoppers in stores that are overwhelmed, a bit frustrated and don't really get the help and the assistance that they're looking for. And we thought there's so many professionals out there, be that stylists, bloggers, influencers, who would actually love to share their passion and advise somebody independently and honestly and even make some money with it. So our idea is to connect the two. And I'm doing this together with Lena. Yeah, good morning, everyone. So basically, um, I joined Antonia. She had the idea. She's the initiator of the, of the business plan, let's say. I think back when you started, it was September in 2017. Yes, with the idea, right. with the whole um, like deep diving into um, what could it be in terms of business. And I joined in March um, this year, so spring, after she had just told me about it and I was interested and I was, I mean, I'm coming from a background in marketing communication, so um, we just thought it could be a good idea to combine the skills there because um, Antonia currently overlooks more the product development, let's say, mm -hmm. and the overall lead of the strategy and the business and I can fully focus on marketing and community building, meaning taking care that of our of both our peer sites of our professionals and as well as our shoppers like our end customers i feel like you saw me in the shop and <laughs> yeah. i was like oh that sounds like me <laughs> i hate i hate shopping I'm, I'm always so lost i think when it comes to shopping it's really as simple as that there's two groups some love it and some don't and mm. there's nothing in between really. yeah yeah that's that's really cool um we, we talked before that you're both not working full-time on this what do you do during the day and when at night you <laughs> you're developing that <laughs> or yeah during for me it's actually the other way around i really do this project during the day so from nine to five and at five sharp i go to my other job which is basically working at an internat like um in high school so, or boarding, boarding school boarding yeah. school is that what you call it yes where i um yeah look over some students and give them some perspective on what's next, what's the university life looking like and uh, how to evolve and grow personally. So that is a very nice kind of like switch and change of mind from being a full entrepreneur to being a bit hired still and earning some fixed money. I think that's very helpful and gives some security still. Yeah. You're probably pushing them to become entrepreneurs. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the only real way. To broaden up their mind and to do something that they're passionate about, yeah, that gives them a perspective, definitely. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Yeah. How about you? I still have a full-time job as well. Like I do, I kind of combine it all during the day. Sometimes I stay up long. So yeah. um, I work at Mila also. It's a startup for um, kind of the Uber for tech support, so on-demand tech um, service. Yeah. that you can book and I work there as a key account manager so yeah. I moved a bit away before that I was working in Swarovski like the international headquarters in Manadol 
in marketing communication, very classical mass media and paid media, big budgets. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> where um, I actually met because exactly. we used to work there two years ago. Oh, right, right, so, right. So. And it helped me a lot because I got a bit of the startup feel um, from Mila because they are still considered a startup even though they've been kind of growing out of their early years. Yeah. But you, I mean, coming from a background corporate, you really feel like what it's like when you need to work with limited resources, be it time or money. And this at the moment is probably one of my key challenges, which is uh, the resource time. <laughs> yeah, I think that's every entrepreneur's problem. <laughs> if the day only had 48 hours. Exactly, right? yeah. So you're doing this platform to connect fashion losers like me to fashion lovers. We call them shoppers. <laughs> shoppers. You found a better name. <laughs> Wait, it's not just, is that the question or is there something else? Well, I was, I was wondering how you find out who your typical shopper is. I mean, you say there's one group that's it's shoppers, mm -hmm. people who, don't, who are not good at it, and then there's the, the professionals learning <laughs> fast. In that, in that shopper group, who's your target customer? It's not yeah. everyone, right? Who's, who's the yeah. first ones you're, you're That's marketing at its finest. I was already <laughs> trying to interrupt you before because it's not just the fashion losers or the, how did we call them? No, shoppers, like the ones, shoppers. Yeah, the mm. ones that they don't like to go shopping. Yeah. And also actually the ones that they like to go shopping, they're just frustrated by the options or let's say the overwhelming choices they have. So basically when we looked at our um, target um, before we even defined first marketing strategies, we identified five different um, groups of, or let's say five different targets of shoppers. So mm. we have, in the beginning, we just thought about there's like something more general about it. There's if you really want to look for inspiration or rather if you like kind of an efficient shopper. So we call it the efficient is the one that he knows he needs to buy things. He knows he needs oh, to me. buy a new suit or that's even me. just sweaters, but no clue about where to go and what to buy, uh, both in terms of style, maybe also budget. So, and you want to be efficient. You don't want to spend hours in shops just looking for the right things. Then you come home and your girlfriend doesn't like it. So it's like, mm, not the right dress. So basically that's one target, like go with an expert and save time. I mean, that's what we do everywhere, right? We take an expert and we save time. Yeah. So also for this. Then we have another one that is basically called an or him or her the occasional is like when you have really normally you know your style you're fine but then you have that one special occasion be it yeah. the wedding of your best friend and it's like yeah and then the dress code is mm. i don't know peach apricot and everything <laughs> should be pastel and semi-casual like, okay, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. or yeah or black tie for the man can even be a challenge so somebody who needs something for a special occasion yeah. also there yeah. go with a professional and you have an expert um, we think about also the follower, so where we think about somebody that is really inspired by Instagram, and this is currently one of the biggest um, channels for fashion mm. um, news, let's say, um, in the world, and you really, like, you get inspired by certain personalities on Instagram, and you might want to really not look like them, but um, know how to, let's say, have a style like them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we of course, on the other side, try to get these influential people on the platform so that yeah. really their followers could just book exactly these people because they're just so in love with yeah. how they dress. Yeah. We also have um, the gift giver, which um, is another typical situation I think everybody knows. It's like, well, I want to buy that one perfect gift, but I have no clue because I see my wife only one hour in the evening <laughs> because I work so much or whatever. Um, I'm not inspired, even for kids, even kids' toy shopping. Yeah. You can um, just take a expert and get support and get this done more efficiently and with more joy, right? Because otherwise it's such a, it's a challenge, it's a, it's a problem almost, let's say, and we want to bring back that joy and that mm -hmm. um, fun to fashion and to shopping. Yeah. And the last group is the tourists. That is a group that we're targeting more in the future, but our goal is to grow this business or this platform globally and to one day be in New York. And whenever you say, hey, now I decide to go to New York for a city trip, that you could book someone there to show you Soho area and not just main square and high streets, but that you would find a local guy basically that shows you shopping in the hidden hotspots and in the vintage areas or, you know, some smaller designer nice. brands. And that's exactly where we see the different target groups. So be that a local here that wants to go efficiently, occasionally, a younger target as Lena said as a follower 
or be it then at some point a tourist that really comes into Zurich or somewhere else to book someone to help him in this specific city. Yeah, I see. I really like the, the, the names you gave them. <laughs> yeah. It's very yeah. obvious. Yeah, I think in for. marketing we were very much educated to work with target personas yeah. and we spend a lot of time also really standing on Bahnhofstrasse asking people, hey, for when would you ever consider booking such a service? And that's from when we learned, okay, how do they call themselves? They said like, I'm the efficient or, well, I would only use it every now and then occasionally. So that's really when we came up with those yeah. like really smashing names. Can, yeah. can you go a little bit into detail into how you did that standing standing in the, in the street? How do you get the data to create these five personas? What do you do? Well, and, and when do you know, okay, it's enough, this persona really exists and we know more or less how that person looks like and, and you know. Well, it's a bit of a, let's say, not trial and error, but of course you go with an assumption. It's not that you go completely clueless and you're like, hey, who are you and why are you shopping today? No, we like, we did our basic, let's say, research, desktop research before. We checked a bit consumer behavior online and then we came up with like some assumptions and we also wanted to use this um survey street survey not only to um, confirm the assumption but also to give it kind of a priority to see okay and what's then really what's then really the trigger like why would they actually buy or book yeah. this service and actually pay money for it right it's a service that um, right. would cost them and then and it's something new i mean normally you're used to maybe you're in the um maybe you're in the retail store and you get it for free it's not maybe the quality you want but yeah. you get kind of whatever consultation and so we went out and we had like our our survey questions like we have today the interview questions so we were quite sure what we want to ask but then we asked open questions just to see like how they're going to respond to it and it was quite tough because as you all know when we go out shopping or we are in Bahnhofstrasse we don't want to be no. stopped and ask <laughs> questions so we were really like trying to um yeah trying to make the most that we can we had even daily targets and said let's get to 25 today yeah <laughs> and we did it like it's yeah we stood there with two ipads basically yeah. and how many do you have well i already have five so he's got another <laughs> five challenge. it was yeah. really yeah and in the end yeah it's basically of course then also it's not po completely representative because then we wouldn't would need to have done that for like probably three weeks mm -hmm. um two days a week but um, we got very nice tendencies. So we said in Zurich, for example, we clearly saw occasional um, as one of the key um, motive, as well as tourist like or yeah. traveling. When I'm not in my um, comfort zone or when in my area where I know everything, this could really be an add-on. And I think there we're touching an area where we also see some competition rising, where there's. Airbnb experience, very oh, small yeah. player on the uh, market. Yeah, very small. Um, I've never heard of it. Or get your guide, you probably heard of. Yeah, but they're more broad, and if we really can make sure we, we take that niche or like that corner of fashion, yeah. it um, could work for us. Yeah. Definitely amazing. Amazing strategy, actually. It sounds super simple, but I uh, haven't heard many people doing this. Just yeah, that's what we hear a lot of time. Also, we've been um, contacted by a startup magazine lately and they asked, so what's your idea? What's the problem you solve? And then we explained to them, well, we're just connecting the influencers in this fashion world with the shoppers. Like, Wait, that's so simple. Is that not existing already? Yeah. That's the question <laughs> we always get because it's so straightforward. Yeah. That's generally a good question to hear, I think. If it's if if you if your business is so simple yeah. that everyone's like this should or how why you don't I have come up <laughs> right. with that before yeah exactly <laughs> right right how how did you do the other side like the professionals I don't know maybe it's yourself or friends <laughs> of yours or I don't know who could you ask for this so again there we have made the exact same analysis basically we went with an approach so okay overall we call that group collectively the professionals but in depth who are they. And we defined in there, not five, but three targets. And we said, well, first of all, it's the stylist, the proper educated stylist who has generally a one person business, right? And has kind of like difficulties to get to a mass market because they normally have one platform, they have one website and they don't really have the marketing budget to promote themselves. Mm. So what we said for them, it would be great if we provide the platform where they could list themselves to be found by a broader customer base. And that's the first one. And the second is really the influencer. That's the micro nano blogger, maybe the 
the rising uh, social media talent that wants to capitalize on his or her followers because they're not yet big enough to make corporate collaborations, but they're still independent and interested to engage with their community and to create content, right? Mm. At the end of the day, they go shopping, they make it before and after image, and again, they have something to promote, to tell a story about. So they're really the ones who want to hype themselves and to make money a bit with their fashion knowledge that normally gets lost on Instagram for free. Mm. Mm. And then the last group of people is really the, the passionate, the enthusiasts, that we call that might be a part-time working mom who says you know generally i'm good at fashion i have some time and i would love to offer this at saturdays in the afternoon i do this at a 30 franc rate per hour you know this is for me myself and i i give some passion to someone else and i just join somebody for the social reason of, of it how do you how do you make sure i mean especially with passionates for example how do you make sure that I mean, your, your product is not just the platform, right? It's also the experience for the yeah. one booking it. Mm -hmm. How do you make sure that this experience and, you know, the outfit that the person gets at the end is, is really is a good experience? Mm -hmm. um, how, how do you keep quality high? I really like the question in terms of the experience part of it, because that's exactly the point. There is no right and wrong when it comes to fashion in the sense of, you know, you can only buy this or you can only buy that. So. I think it's really about being there and guiding somebody with an own honest and independent idea basically and give some perspective on it. Yeah, we also of course we do like basic checks before we even activate the profile and our platform. Yeah. So we do like you could call it a background check, it sounds like a they are criminals. <laughs> it's more basically that we check um, already the way they describe themselves, what they put in terms of pictures, and then we have an onboarding call or even face-to-face -face depending on um, time and also on, on the, maybe it's just the occasion there that we can meet. Mm. And then we, we listen really also to the motivation, what is um, his or her motivation to offer the service on our platform. And there you actually, you find out a lot because the one thing we learned very quickly is that not everybody who is, um, knows how to dress him or herself also knows how to consult other people but naturally the ones that know or that even that think that they know how to consult they're actually having this talent so mm. we just at the moment we are quite lucky i mean we had the first choppers and they're like beyond happy with the experience and we had both like we had a more experienced stylist um, situation or like booking and we had a more let's say yeah she's a bit younger she just does it a bit for her own fun on instagram and both experiences were right in that sense or good yeah. because the thing is that it's more about that uh, we think that the experience is actually personal and that two people meet each other there's of course you always have the risk this is polarizing you can like a person you cannot like a person but you as a shopper you choose plus you can always stop i mean if you meet them in real life and you feel like oh this is not going to happen wrong right whatever you can immediately stop you there's no like there's no obligation to buy yeah. um, you didn't pay upfront you pay um, in the end for the right. time tracked so yeah. there's nothing that stops you to, from also just run away let's say yeah. but on the other side as, as soon as there's like two people getting along um, with each other and they kind of I mean we see that um, our customers they get a bit put out of the comfort zone in a very positive way and this is what makes the experience so special is that they i mean for now we always hear like wow this was amazing i never thought i could wear that and yeah and of course it's it's a bit it's based on it's based on on, on their expertise and, right. and on their inspiration but let's be honest it's never going to be a hard checklist where you can say yes you have that qualification and yes this experience is going to be amazing it's always a little bit um, open uh, yeah, to social factors. Yeah. I think it's the overall um, package that needs to be exactly. right, that needs to attract us. I mean, if we see the right motivation, if yeah. we see that personality is somebody that can socialize and that is, right. you know, generally making a good first impression, that's totally a buy-in for us and then mm -hmm. we're happy to have that person join us. And what I learned from my company where I worked at is like what you, I mean, you learn also from the non-happy cases, right? So when there is the, the first one that's going to be an unsatisfied customer or a thing that goes wrong, then we need to learn and take action. But as far as we only have happy clients, I mean, why should we change our approach, yeah, right? That's true. Well, that's true. Well, you, well, you explain now two situations, right? Like it could be that the experience is pretty bad. You haven't experienced it yet, but it, it could happen. But it could also be that it works quite well, as you said. 
And we know with these platform businesses or marketplaces that it could be a challenge that these people don't book over your platform again, right? After the first time, because afterwards, for example, I know some guy in Zurich and mm. he gives me advice and I just contact him directly. Hey, do you have time Saturday afternoon? How do you make sure that they continue like working with the platform and, mm. and, and book again and again? Because in the end, retention is quite important for a business like that. Absolutely. And I think that's a smart question. We tackle it from the supply side. So what we leverage is really the good relationship with our professionals because what we give them is an added value when using our platform. So we try to keep the incentive of them going behind our backs or behind the platform really, really small. So what we do in terms of added value for them is when they use the platform, we have an integrated trip tracker. That means a shopper, when he books, he enters his credit card. And as of the time that they start, the shopper hands in a code professional starts tracking the time, he keeps the time running and at the end of the trip he stops and he gets automatically the payment, he triggers the payment by clicking the stop button. So that makes it really easy for the stylist or the professional to get paid for A, the exact amount of time spent, B, having no cash problems or any weird moment at the end of the trip saying, hey now, so you buy me, you know, give me the 100 francs on my hand, but it's really this you know, we had a fun experience, it was shopping. Oh, and by the way, we just click stop and, you know, the money is flowing behind. So that's not really yeah. a situation that you're caught in at the end of the shopping trips, which gives the whole thing, oh, we paid now for this. So I think that's really right. an added value for the professional. He doesn't need to take care of the time. He doesn't need to have any payment hazards. And that's why we think this is a motive for them to use it. And at the end of the day, they get a rating at the end of the trip, right? So when there's a good rating, it gets promoted on his platform. Again, that's a potential sales boost for him because he, he is experienced. And if he doesn't use the tracker, also that does not happen. So that's why we think yeah. we're at the moment at a, at a good path with regards to retention of mm -hmm. customers yeah. via professional. You've probably looked at Airbnb uh, for inspiration. I don't know. Um, we've. So we had a platform idea and we looked at Airbnb, it was mm -hmm. very similar. And uh, the reviews is one big retention feature yeah, that absolutely. you're building up your authority on the website. Yeah, we want to use it as well. Like even when the way we list then on our platform, the people should be driven by a number of trips they made, number of reviews and, and good reviews they got. Mm -hmm. yeah. And also, I mean, engagement goes beyond things you can actually measure and show to people and processes and like tools. It's also like really, um, we know all of them, at the moment it's like 15, um, we know all of them um, personally, we, yeah. most of them we even met personally, we, they, like now the key um, startup, let's say um, early adopters on the platform, they, they really know us from the very beginning, we pitch them kind of the idea and they're really engaged with us, we feel that and it's like, yeah, of course you can always be, like somebody can always cheat on you, but we also think that in the future we will need to find measures and we have some ideas and plan where it's more this intangible engagement that mm -hmm. they really committed to what we're doing and what they are doing for us but also we're doing for them so mm -hmm. that is a very human approach to marketing mm -hmm. also coming from the business where i mean where i worked where we also work with big communities and you can really feel that the people you manage to engage in the very beginning are the ones that are loyal over years and i think we also learn from the worst case scenario uber i mean having the struggles with their drivers and not really having them on board and but suing them instead and complaining about you know being told what prices to ask for i think we learn very much that with your supply side you need to be nearly even as close as with the demand side at the right. end of the day because they're just as much your customer and you depend on them if you want to be successful with your peer to peer two sided platform so you don't i suppose you don't tell them uh, a minimum rate per minute that they they can or should absolutely should no, charge. no i think it's neither minimum nor maximum because i've yeah. seen i mean there's what is 30 francs per hour to up to 100 francs per hour i saw yeah we engage them really to say look you define what level of expertise you have have you studied uh, stylists uh, uh, in your or fashion in your previous education then yes please feel free to charge an hourly rate that justifies yeah. that or if you say hey, i've just come from my university and i do that a little bit 
you know, next to my other thousand hobbies, then well, fair enough. Then offer this service for 20, 25, 30 francs and make some extra money with it. So that's totally up to them. And I think that also gives an interesting variety to a shopper who says, I can either spend that much or that Mm. much. And he has the choice. Mm. And you're also clustering a bit. Again, you match like targets where we have a lady that is a bit um, more experienced and um, also older, you can say that, right? Yeah. Um, and she has her own business. Like she is a stylist, a personal shopper. She has even a B2B, cu- I mean, yeah, she has a business customers. Sometimes okay. she consults whole companies on how to go, um, how to dress for work. Yeah. And she has a, a website, right? So she has a certain pricing even public to her website. And she was so nice to adjust the pricing there, like to maybe really not being competing to each other, but like they both work well along with it. And I think she definitely talks to a different target than our, let's say, more Instagram-driven um, younger audience. And that's what we want. Like we want that everybody has a perfect match on the platform. So. Yeah. You talked about uh, payment system before, and it all sounds, you know, very Uber-like. It's all thought through. It's there's a whole development team behind it. So I mean, I don't know if <laughs> you're smiling. I don't know. If it, I like yeah, that. that's how well, it should look too. like, right? Um, yeah. But for someone just starting out, that could be a challenge. You know, you're like, okay, there should be a payment system uh, that with one click you can you can do it. How did you do it? You know, what's what's the story there? Well, I think fairly enough, we need to say that we are not only the two founders, there's two more on board with us in the team. And one of them, we're lucky enough to have a techie or at least somebody who was able to write and help us with the functional specification of it and help us think through the whole process and make really a business analyst case out of it mm. to, to make sure before we even go into an MVP development, we invested over three months into an in-depth um, how do you call it, discovery phase, mm-hmm. where we really thought, okay, so who is the customer? What's his need? What's the benefit that he expects to get? And one of the big benefits was really this automated payment. And we invested a lot of time into making a flow that is potentially as easy as possible. And as you said, have a good team in the background who helped us bringing it to life, yes. And I, I mean, I totally agree that is a challenge. I mean, I just, I watched the challenge of it from the outside because I could lean back and be like, well, I'm marketing. <laughs> Go and um, hustle with your product now. But it was actually finding the right supplier. I think that maybe with that pops up later with that. Other but the question. biggest challenge question. That yeah, it's like you need to find suppliers that you can, if, especially if you don't know yourself, we're not coding, we're not developing. So you need to find suppliers that you can really trust mm. and that, and that they're willing to really like understand your situation, so your solution, almost more than yourself, so that they, they can also coach you and consult you on your solution, not just be there like, yes, we're gonna do this, yes, we're mm. gonna write code for you. Mm. So this was, yeah, we can maybe probably go later into the detail. Yeah, I would call them a partner, really. They yeah. were really a partner, as from day one, helping us, um, giving yeah. us ideas on how to, and uh, finding together with us yeah. a solution to the problem that we were able to properly phrase at the end of the discovery phase only. Huh? Yeah. Just before it was also a bit yeah. And then what helps always, I think, if somebody starts from scratch is thinking that, I mean, you always think, oh, we're the first ones. My God, we have to like crack our head around because this is so complex, right? But you're never the first one. So yeah. there's always examples in the market and for especially for providers, I mean, helped us now or helped you um, when looking at who could be our partner and um, talk to people that they have worked with these guys before and they're often almost neighbors from you if you check, if you yeah. do your homework and check on them or payment providers in general. Like um, also we in my company, we had an encounter with different payment providers. There's big names on the market and you find a lot out um, from them before engaging with them. Yeah. So there's, it's just, it costs you a lot of time. It's always <laughs> yeah. research yeah, and um, checking on things. Yeah. yeah. But so you have a partner uh, abroad, like, a, yeah. like an agency uh, in Eastern Europe or, or even further? We looked at three potential collaboration options. A, a business partner, supply partner here in Switzerland then a software development company in terms of nearshoring in Eastern Europe. And we looked, looked at offshoring as well. So we were also talking to some Chinese Indian companies. Mm. And then we decided to go for the middle way, which is this nearshoring option exactly, because it's still yet close enough 
to be on site every now and then. So we spend a lot of time in Ukraine where we actually develop our mm -hmm. own product. But Switzerland was just simply from a cost perspective not feasible for us, despite talking to three to four companies here. Uh -huh. And then offshoring for us was at the end of the day too big of a risk. Still, we felt the cultural difference is just mm. too significant in order to neglect it. And therefore we decided to go with this lean startup way to say, look, we need something that we can afford, yet that feels culturally close to us and where we feel the match people-wise as well. And that we found luckily. Right. And you started with a simple Google search, I guess. Um, well, and yes. talking to, of course, people people you knew. Exactly. Started with a Google search, that is right. And then really talked to some other businesses here in Zurich that we saw listed on their platform to get some one-to-one -one references. Then we went down there to meet the people, really, because that was for me an A and an O to see who is there and what's the people behind before mm -hmm. I would buy in, in, some, in such a contract. And that's... I think at the end, the winning factor is the mm. team there to know the people that work for you, to get their passion. Because if they are not committed, what do you want to tell them over Skype from here in Zurich? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just Definitely, yeah. from the beginning a loss. Yeah, yeah. I really like this, this one point you, you talked about, the discovery phase, mm -hmm. that I feel like many people who have an idea don't really know. Uh, they're like, okay, how do I build this? Uh, but really, first kind of know your customer and know exactly how the, the little, the basic version of your product should look like. Uh, yeah, and that makes it so much easier also to find the partners and then discuss with them and because you know so much more how it should look. Yeah, you need a plan before you run. I mean, there's many good runners, <laughs> but if you don't know where you're heading at, why yeah. even invest the energy? And there's so much, like, there's so much devil in the detail. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Even if you say, like, well, I have a simple product, right? We just connect it to people and then they go out shopping. It's even <laughs> offline. <laughs> then they so just right. need to be paid somehow. But you, like, go through that journey in detail. And there's so many questions you're going to ask yourself. This way, that way, this notification here, down there. Like, yeah. that is probably, yeah, that was one of the key mm -hmm. um, milestones and also topics that cost a lot of time and it's so yeah. worth the time yeah. and then also I think it's a difference of having an idea in your mind and then making sure a whole team is on the same page with regard to that idea yeah. I mean if you say you're making a platform where you connect to people to go shopping yes you might have this idea in your head you might think it a bit differently yeah. but to to build a common ground and to get everybody's on the same page. I think that's a key challenge that you need to solve during the discovery phase before you start building a team that then starts to work each and every one on a different piece of, of that problem and um, to build it and to make it a solution at the end that is coherent and concise to the outside as well. Yeah, one, one easy comparison I, I often use is imagine, we all imagine a house. Mm -hmm. And it's a simple thing, we all know what a house looks like, but all of us have a different image exactly. in our head, right? So we really yeah. need to get that down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And staying with the house is like doing the discovery is like building the cellar. Like, uh, look at the houses in these countries where they have no cellars. Like yeah. the first wind and it's, yeah. Look yeah. at the basic structure, right? Yeah. yeah, and I think a key challenge for us with that regard was also to stay within that plan of the house. Because then we had the idea, hmm, we could do this garden. Oh, and the flower <laughs> would look nice there. And right. oh, why not on the roof building another you know, kind of... Like a second know, floor, exactly, third floor. Exactly, a 10th floor. Yeah. I think that's oh, the challenge. Stairs. You get so excited about it and yeah. everybody shares their ideas. Oh, and yeah. oh, how could we? And why do, don't we do that? And didn't we think we wanted this other way around? And I think it's crucial to focus, to stay within the plan that you've agreed during the discovery phase and then do it, nail it down. And only then you give yourself allowance to think creatively again and to question and to continue but yeah. you need to focus and stay true to the plan you had at the beginning so you said you made some first bookings until now right yes how many of them have been there and like how many customers did you advise with your professionals and where where is it going to like what, what do you do in the, in the next six to twelve months to, to grow these numbers so now we've only been live three weeks so that is a very limited amount of time and we had a handful of customers of happy shoppers awesome that's nice yeah yes and now the idea Yay. <laughs> that's good happy shopping. i mean many people don't even come that far to actually have transactions yes, yes. Uh, i mean yeah. 
true. <laughs> and the lucky side is really that, I mean, our professionals, our community as well, right? And there we had 15 right yeah. away that signed up and that shared it with their other stylist friends. Yeah. And I think, Lena, maybe you want to explain it more, but the multiplicator factor that we have mm. by leveraging the professionals and them sharing in their community. Yeah, I mean, that's what we, that's one of the key, um, yeah, leverages we have, one of the yeah. key um, measures we want to use, let's say. It's basically, um, would help us a lot because it's almost going into the direction of growth hacking, almost, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> depending on how much the leverage is really um, going to be used and yeah. it can be used. But knowing that most of, I mean, out of these 15 people that we have currently at the, um, on the platform and the 15 experts, um, I'd say 80% of them have quite a reach on, on social media, on their channels, be it their blog or really just Instagram, once again. Yeah. <laughs> and if, I mean, our goal is really to keep them excited about us um, and keep them engaged or engage them in a way that they share um, constantly and yeah. they spread their word and we get their kind of um, support, let's say. And that because then it, like, they multiply our effect of any kind of marketing yeah. activity. Um, which is not as easy as it sounds because we already like we realized we, it's not a free channel really anymore. Even smaller, let's say influencers, they have a price. They yeah. normally you always compete if they their content plan is very almost rigid. Okay. So we will really need to find ways to, as I said, excite them, and they need to be fans of what we're doing mm. because then it's kind of giving them. I mean, they will share it and almost there, well, no, not almost, but they will share it voluntarily because they support the idea, they like it, they want to push it, they want to support us. This is I where mean, you're going to get. Yeah, they also benefit of from course, it, right? Of course, they also right? benefit I mean, from they, it. Absolutely. They show themselves and absolutely. say that they like to Exactly. But it's also that. often the case that, I mean, they're not just doing this, so it's one of their, um, like, yeah, one of their incomes and one of the, um, the things that they want to spend time. So you keep on reminding them. It's like, mm. I learned from my job, also my boss always tells me, there's no such thing as free lunch. So it doesn't need to be that we need to pay them, but we need to keep them excited. We need to remind them of us because, like, this is what we, the, I think when you um, work so long on the project, you sometimes you come to the point where we're like, well, you talk so much about the thing and you told so many people about yourself that you think like, my God, they must be tired of what I'm saying. <laughs> and also our professionals, our community, they must be tired of what we're saying. There. But actually, no, because they have, I mean, everybody in his life, now you have so many stimuli, so many impulses, you just forget. So we need to meet, make sure that we're constantly top of mind for them mm -hmm. so that they can push it out to their community. Of course, we support this. We cannot just rely on this one channel. We support this with other marketing activities at the moment, mainly digital, where we go like, I mean, Instagram redefined as our key channel because right. um, people are there um, if they look for inspiration, if they want to like kind of browse through um, other persons, people's styles. But um, we do have other ideas. I mean, we will also um, start to connect with um, other industry players, we already reached out to quite some hotels because we still feel like our target to tourists is very attractive. Yeah. So we want to um, aim at collaborations or at least support from them so that we can communicate through their channel, through their web pages where they often, any hotel often um, has like a section <laughs> where they say, this is what you can do in Zurich, this is where right. you shop in Zurich. So yeah. we want to be there, right? So we want to be at that moment where a customer, be it the tourist or be it the follower, and looks for inspiration. Yeah, awesome. I mean, that really sounds like a plan for me. <laughs> it's smart, yeah. like, it sounds like a smart strategy, but we'll see if it works right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Let's hope for the There's best. There's always a bit of luck also involved, so we need right, to right. Right. And testing and, and changing, changing and plans. And investors. Yeah. And investors. And investors. So you're, uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> At some point, money. you're going to need some, some money apart from the jobs that you that you have yourself. What, I mean, maybe that's uh, a challenge. A, the biggest challenge for you? I mean, we, we could just jump. We had the good side, you had some bookings. What about the tougher times? What was your biggest challenge or is your biggest challenge? And maybe also a biggest learning that, that you can share. Yeah, with regard to what was the biggest challenge so far, I would say it was the challenge to find the right production partner because that was for mm -hmm. us key. Quality matters most. And if you invest time into making a product that sucks, or that lacks quality, 
that is not worth investing in. So that was a big challenge, but luckily we managed to overcome it. Now the second big challenge ahead, I would definitely call the investor space. Where now I'm just tomorrow in Berlin for an investor's day and pitching all the time in front of an audience that is normally not so familiar with A, the fashion industry, B, the influencer scene and how the dynamics work on Instagram. But they're normally fintech, um, biotech, Medicare, you name it. You know, they're into that and they look at, okay, so what's your revenue tomorrow? And we're like, okay, listen, we are a if you so if you want to call it like this a silicon valley business model we aim at a perspective that is long term and our payback day will be a couple of years ahead we're at the moment a commission based revenue model so please be aware of what that means mm. and see the value that comes with the community that we build and that's something that we need to be very careful in educating our investors about because they're normally not that familiar with that types of businesses and then being two female founders standing in front of them, you always need to convince them extra, hey, we know what we're talking about, we have a financial model, we have forecasted and made our research and homework. I think that's a, a, a very big challenge ahead, yes. Can you tell a bit more about that challenge? Uh, it's a very male-dominated world <laughs> in general, and, and you are the first two female founders that we have on the show, and we're super happy about that. But maybe you can describe yeah. this challenge. I mean, more. I can give you an example, maybe. Um, I don't know who's going to listen to that later. But <laughs> I mean, we've been, it was actually a good event to take, um, to say that first. But we've been in, invited, we had the chance to go to the Investor Summit Liechtenstein, mm-hmm. um, end, of, end of October. And really, I mean, we've, we've also been to the Startup Days in Bern. We've been to several events where there's a lot of startups, a lot of um, yeah, people that, from the industry, we had a basic feeling of how that how these events look like. The investors at Liechtenstein, however, was really was really focusing on investors, so it was not even that many startups present. It was a bit of a knowledge transfer um, networking event for investors, also presenting some startups. And we got there, and it was basically you could you look at the audience, and it's all male um, target with a suit or grey or blue or black. Um, age between sorry but between 30 35 and 60 and we were we were like little I don't know unicorns there because we were not unicorns maybe flamingos I just can't imagine you two just walking through there really probably a handful other women and and you just feel like kind of out of place like Mm. naturally I mean Mm. we're coming from this fashion business now we know how much first impression counts but in the end, you can just—I mean—you can be there and be like, "My God, I'm not. I, we don't know how to connect." They—they for sure have other topics, Liechtenstein, fintech, big topic, right? But then you can also turn it into a positive talent and say, Absolutely. "Wow!" But also for them, it's interesting. I mean, they just talk to these other grannies there, no, exactly. but these other um, <laughs> elderly men, and they probably they know each other already. And and uh, so we we basically we just try to connect, and they're all—I mean, actually in this world in general people are very open they're always open to listen like it's not that you are going to UBS and you're pitching your business plan to get some funding it's like you're actually in a networking event for investors so everybody who goes there should have a certain mindset of i'm here to network so i'm here Mm. to talk to people i'm here to open enough to also listen to people and that's what helps us you can basically talk to anyone and everybody and there's no such there's no such thing as weird talks i found i mean of course there's always opportunity that you don't really match with your um, counterpart but we had very good discussions and from people we least expected we got like super positive feedback for example there's i don't know if we can name names but sure. there was one guy um works for SigTech. he used to work in google he he's very much into um is it fintech or medtech or biotech one of these like one of those ending on tech, tech. yeah yeah <laughs> on tech and also on like yeah deep tech I would say he's even deep tech because he has a background of Google a very smart person he also holds a speech on how to be a good business angel but then we talked to him when we were like well no chance well let's just introduce each other because SIGTIC is important and the investors club in Zurich and then he was like 
overly open I mean, and just telling us that actually he would be the perfect consumer for us and he totally gets the concept and he actually built a platform that connects people for spontaneous activities together when he was still in university or I don't know but yeah. like had a completely open site for it and, and shared experience and that was just I mean it's an eye-opener when you just yeah it's not just what you should not just let's say um, look at it as a talent, you should always look at it as, a, as an opportunity, we feel. Mm, I think coming back to the question exactly what's, what you mentioned, how do we feel in that uh, environment, I think we need to turn it into an opportunity mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. If we are the ones to stand out, let's use that and make it our winning factor because yeah. that gives us the opportunity to introduce ourselves to so many and Exactly. Going exactly from that angle, we even had the case. We stood there on a on a you know one of those standing up tables. People come up to us asking proactively, "Hey, what are you doing here? Or yeah. why are you here? Or what's your yeah. story?" They come and ask you because they find, "Oh, there's someone special yeah, there in, in the mass. <laughs> why not heading up?" And that yeah. has been a chance for us. And I think we need to make use of this benefit. Yeah. And again, we also um had a moment of actually we're not the first ones we would love to be but we're not we had a chat with the founder of outfittery um yeah. which is um even kind of a competitor in the future but anyway she was very nice and she had, took the time to talk to us and they had the same like they are two female they're even both blonde which is a bit worse than what we are <laughs> <laughs> it's not worse no, no, it's not worse kidding. right um, but they had the same and they said like you just you need to be very bold you, as a woman you need to learn in that world you need to be very bold you don't need to be shy and you also don't need to be um hesitant with your numbers like mm. you learn like be very bold like tell them what what your vision is, where you want to go, and why they should believe in you, and don't always make yourself smaller than you are, mm -hmm. because I think, yeah, cap capability-wise, we're definitely the same level, right. so there's nothing to, um, yeah. And lately, I was invited to London. There's a female founders club mm -hmm. hosted on the Google campus, so there we got the opportunity to pitch in a pitch clinic. That's what they call it where basically females help females. And the idea is that they would tell you what not to say, like not to be too humble, like to really stand up and pitch your numbers in a way of, hey, I am the next CEO of this billionaire company and now you've got to sell it like this. And yeah. that was really an impressive learning for myself because they told you never ever are you going to admit this and that that I was going to say during the pitch. And that, yeah, it's shaping you the mindset and you've got to learn how to behave in that world. And yeah, yeah I think that's, there's lots of opportunities out there of now people becoming aware of that and helping and supporting each other. Yeah. I really like the mentality of turning it into an opportunity instead of a, you know, a, a challenge or yeah. I really like that. So you were, you were shortly talking about finding investors. That is a, a big challenge for you now. How so? What's the... What do you find most difficult? Oh, that's already the question. No, I'm, I think at the beginning it's really, first of all, you've got to make a list, right? You've got to screen from the variety that is out there, who is relevant for you and why. Mm -hmm. Then, as a second step, you have to find a sweet spot where, or on how to introduce yourself to them and make yourself relevant for them. Then you have to follow up on with them because they're so busy, they receive one million thousand X. And then... Um, to keep track of everything, of all the communication, to be clear on what you want from whom and why is something that is just costing a lot of time and um, that needs to be consistently tracked and measured. And I think, yeah, always selling the same story, yet keeping the motivation up, the passion, not losing it after you know, having heard a hundred times, no, and mm -hmm. you're not relevant, or we don't believe in this, and you still need to keep believing, 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 and still right. selling like this. I think that's not just from a work perspective a challenge, but also mentally, yeah. it's something that you yeah. really need to be aware before you start. You are going to be told no, but you need to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to be told no more times than yes, basically. Yeah. Which, yeah. in by nature, I think every human being hates. <laughs> so... It's really you need to overcome that. <laughs> I just love it. Well, <laughs> I can't wait for the next no. And then we're going to rent you right. and we're going to send you to our next pitch now. You're totally right. Everyone yeah. hates it. But you only, the thing is you only need one yes, right? I mean, or two. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Temporarily. 
another challenge is just this working under this certain umbrella of uncertainty, right? You never know, is this yes gonna be somewhere here ahead? At is the end of the yes? tunnel? Or is there mm. not a yes, you yeah. know? And, you know, until what um, reach or destination do you go? What's your deadline that you give yourself? Or by when are you running out of capacity of going without a yes? And I think that's something that we need also yet to learn. We have not yet found the absolute final answer to that. Yeah. But I think that's exactly what we're lucky for, being a team and not a single founder. Yeah. I think that's what helps it so much. My gosh, we have four heads that spin their minds around this question yeah. and that helps each other and motivates each other if the other one has a down. And that is just, I think, the most valuable asset that you can have in a startup is, is the team and the people. This might be also your, your one of your learnings for listeners, right? How important the team is. I mean, it was for us. Uh, we also often have this problem, you know, how long do we want to go without a job and just working on our projects uh, and really helps having another person, you know, Definitely. when you have a down moment, have the other person come with a coffee and say, let's, yeah. let's keep going. Sure. <laughs> how do you track those uh, invest, this whole investment phase, these investors, these meetings, how do you, how do you track that? I mean, that must be chaotic or how do you organize it? No, I mean, there's really um, also there a support um, from other startups, we must say, what we've learned. We've been receiving the investors lists from other startups yeah. where they've already done quite some pre-work in screening potential um, go-to contacts and listing them and having the contacts there. And I mean, that's already lots of work done. And I think now for us, it's just find a way of how we can organize who we've talked to, what the outcome was. Are we yet early enough to recontact and mm. kind of bother them again? Yeah. Or, you know, what was the general feedback? Are they potential clients or partners to go to later again? Or is that a complete no? And I think it's just, yeah. Yeah, but it's a bit yeah, like being a salesman, right? Yeah, like you, can't, right, yeah, you have a lead list. <laughs> you yeah. just um, keep track. It's a bit of project management. And yeah. next to one million other things, it's just also, <laughs> it's just <laughs> also that. <laughs> yeah. It's just also that. So it sounds like you had a very good journey so far. And it sounds very promising what you're doing. And you have a good team on board and everything. But I'm sure there has been some regrets or things you would think you would do differently looking back from now is there anything like that um it's a good question uh, i think looking back what we could have done differently was finding a second opinion on what is really the lean way to start because i mean as of now we have built an mvp and that has cost some money right it might have been that we would have found a way that is even leaner, but I think there we were also not having somebody on board that was now completely the entrepreneur that did this before, you know, and that knew how much is too much to spend for an MVP and what is just enough. I think there too would have had somebody in the team who did a startup before or who had this experience would have been enriching. But I think now we did it our way. We're at the moment still fine with it, but I think that's, something we could have learned from another entrepreneur or somebody who had the experience before that we have unfortunately not met. Mm. Are you hopeful for the future of, and I'm going to say it, fashion tech, right? Because you're, <laughs> or do you hate that? Do you hate no. that? Word? No, actually it's, it's an aspiration, I'd say fashion tech, because we, as Antonia mentioned earlier, we had of course many ideas how to enrich the uh, our tool, our software, let's call it like this even, because NNS it's a platform, but it has certain areas where you could go deeper into tech, where you could, for example, connect our app with a scanner that then can um, recognize product, mm -hmm. even in the future, not even a scanner anymore, but you, you know, maybe scan it, something that can basically just visualize, you give the the app a, um, a product that it knows exactly what it is, can save it, something like this we, we've been discussing, so add some value for the customer, but also to kind of maybe think about an additional revenue stream, how can we 
work together with retailers because they are the ones that they desperately look for innovation right. to keep their customers happy. Um, so we are definitely hopeful and optimistic because we see um, if we manage to prove that also our basic business model works, or at least we can works in the sense that we can build a community, there is people interested in the whole topic, um, and we get some um, funding, then we can really think of our heads are full, our idea backlog is full. It's just yeah. like we cannot act on these, we cannot yeah, work these things out because we need to focus on our key challenge right now is growing and scaling and getting traction. So all our energy, all our money also now goes into this. Yeah. And as soon as we um, have somebody on board supporting um, us, supporting the idea or the bigger idea of mm. making this a um, smart tool to make shoppers happy. That's our mission, right? We say leave every shopper happy, well-dressed, create satisfaction. We call it? Satisfaction, exactly. nice one. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. So, and there's many, I mean, you can do that with many um, things, right? With yeah. many um, tech things also. Right, right. You can really support it. <laughs> I love it out here. From the marketing <laughs> we satisfaction We left it for the end. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe let's jump to the last question. Huh? Sure, sure. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, we need to start the day, right? Still early in the morning. Still early. <laughs> <laughs> what is the last book? blog posts, video, talk, speech, or whatever, if you have read, seen, consumed, and why would you recommend it to other young founders? And cat videos don't count. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry there. <laughs> Too many people say that. I have just received, I think that was yesterday, a post from a university student, a Chinese one, who graduated and basically talked about the educational system and how it changed to boosts the entrepreneurial mindset mm -hmm. because he said he was declined from so many universities because he didn't have this corporate mindset of I want to go my career ladder high and I want to work towards high grades and one goal but he was floating in between and I may be able to find it I think I might all eyes that. on Chinese on, no that was me <laughs> no that was you that was McKinsey that's not the one but anyways, um, and that was a very inspiring speech of how he would suggest the educational system needs to change because we're not preparing young students at the moment to become entrepreneurs. Not at all. We try to fit them in one schema. We try to make them choose one direction to study. And I think that's something that is really inspiring to how can we still build on that a bit more and to enable people and to empower them to follow their ideas, to make a plan for it, to be brave enough and encouraged enough to stand up to speak mm -hmm. to yeah. try to win a team for it yeah. I've read another piece of interesting um, let's say um, yeah tips it's from the author like it's a association I don't really know what they are if they're in a club association but they're called the family oh, yeah. and we also uh, kind of came across because they help finding investors mm -hmm called the family.co.com yeah. a um, European community based in London, Paris, Berlin and they just, I mean, they just published kind of a, they call it the 12 chapters of success factors for European startups, mm -hmm. sounds a bit boring but they're actually, they're a very cool um, community, they use very fancy language but the core of what they're saying is really good, they write, they wrote ch 12 chapters on, or they're having basically a, um, a check on what does it mean to have a lean startup in Europe success factors it's a bit like a um, summary of the book the mm. famous book and they're really giving a like a good touch to it, a good twist to it it's very smart like i like the chapter about how you should hire what kind of talent you should hire yeah. and that basically interns won't save your business yeah. and this is really good i mean just if somebody wants to um, get a first impression on what it means to build up a startup i think that's a good yeah. first um, read yeah we'll definitely link to both both um, the video and the and the and the blog post or article, mm -hmm. definitely. I mean, we have just to your coming back to your education uh, topic. I mean, that's a bit uh, on our in our alley. Um, definitely, yeah. that's one of the things we're trying to do with the podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of, it's very small, but we're trying to educate mm -hmm. uh, through through mm -hmm. some kind of channel. And we're definitely also of the same opinion. Uh, yeah, the education system mm -hmm. today is. I mean, in our perspective, it's. It's not up to date at all. It's definitely not. And it's such a big thing to tackle. So mm. you have to start small somewhere and right. try to sneak in. I think we're doing the same because now we've just been invited to HSG, 
yeah. where we were um, asked whether we would host a workshop for the masters in marketing services and communication management yeah. where we're going and we really want to um, promote two challenges to those students first of all it's our marketing question as a one-to-one linked to our startup mm -hmm. where we would like to get their brain power to come up with a solution for it but the other is also really to say hey look we are just as young as you We've, we're doing something we stand up we have an idea we make a plan now and then we go execute it mm -hmm. And we do that with excellence and that's what we would encourage you guys to do as well and i think that's just something we can give back yes we go there we want something from them but at the same time we're going to show them hey look it does work out you can't do it just mm. go do it yeah and i think that's something that is also in our interest to not only take from the community but give something back yeah. whenever we have the chance to awesome that's awesome that's nice i think that's a good ending definitely yeah thanks so much for your time thanks thank, thank you off to an amazing kick-ass day. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Happy hump day, no? Wednesday. Yeah. Is that happy hump day? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're almost halfway through. So almost. So, almost good. halfway through. All right. Well, all the best to, to you and uh, for your start. Likewise. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of Startup Stories. I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the links mentioned in the episode at the bottom of the description. And if you liked the episode, click the last link and leave us a review. Thanks for listening and see you next time.